Good morrow to you all. You have fallen on bad times. Brought to you by the Royal Holloway Shakespeare Society. You join me, Theo Dudridge. And me, Subhan Hay, as we bear some bardy truths. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Bard Times. This week I'm here with Ashton. Ashton, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everybody, I'm Ashton Kessler. I am the publicity officer for both Shakespeare Society and for a sly taming. Amazing. Oh, so how has it been for you uh, as a publicity officer so far this year? I'm really enjoying it. Like, I wasn't sure um, because I have other stuff going on and I wasn't sure. But honestly, I think it might be my favorite of the committees I'm on just because I get to be creative. Everyone is, like, really encouraging. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, getting to do things I want to do to make stuff with my limited Mm -hmm. skills. But I'm really enjoying it. Amazing. So you joined uh, joined Shakespeare Sock last year, Um, not on committee, but as a, a member of it. And I think the first time I saw you was you delivering your academic discussion. Did you want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so I saw and like in the because uh, I take English and history. So in the English department email, we got like a thing and it was like, oh, we're doing this like academic discussion. And like it's about queer Shakespeare. And I was like, yes, I'm there. <laughs> and so I ended up like speed making a uh, PowerPoint about um uh, about Antonio and Bassanio in uh, uh, The Merchant of Venice and how I felt that they were actually in love and that, you know, they're not just friends. And I came together with all these memes because that's my thing and, like, actual quotations to kind of prove my point. But, like, I mean, to me, reading it, you know, in, you know, the two, you know in 2020, 21, like, it does come off differently, I think. But, I mean, I get it, like... Lots of people just want to say, oh, they're friends. Like, But I'm like, there's more here. It's not just like, you're my best friend. It's like the devotion in it to me read as like a queer thing, which is why I felt so strongly about it. <laughs> but it, it brought me to Shakespeare socks. So like, I can't complain. Like I, everyone loved it. And then I ended up joining and um, auditioned for Measure for Measure where I played Mistress Overdone. So like, it's just been really great getting to like, that was like my gateway. <laughs> Oh, what was uh, working on measure like? Because that was quite an, uh, a unique thing because obviously we're in lockdown, but we we weren't in that much of a lockdown that we couldn't really meet up and make something. So we made a full-on film for that, which uh, I'll yeah. plug right now. You guys can check it out on YouTube. What was it like working on that? It was great in the sense, like, I think because obviously it was documentary style, it was easier for us. At least I should say for me, because I didn't have anyone to share scenes with. That I was just with Theo and Meadow and they were coaching me through it and everything and we did it and it was great um versus like now that we're doing a slide taming and everyone's together yeah. it's a totally different experience but i i enjoyed it so much and it was nice like you know having that like freedom to like record it over and over and over again and, and then getting it right and also like saying oh this this isn't quite working let's like tweak it let's do this whereas like when you're on the stage you get one shot and that's it <laughs> Yeah, that is a good point. With film, you can sort of like keep trying, rehearse. If you get it wrong, you're like, can I try one more time? Whereas on the <laughs> stage, you, you do obviously have one chance to get it. So that is quite different. On that, would you be, are you going to be looking to get involved in more productions as an actor? Perhaps on stage this this year, maybe next year? 
Um, I mean, I'd like to. I think it just depends. Like, I think... I think it just depends if it's the right thing that comes along. Like, with this, like, you asked me to be a publicity officer, and I was mm. really excited to do that. So for me, I was like, it's fine. I'm not that fussed about, like, being part of the cast. And I'm glad I'm getting to do this because, you know, less rehearsing, less memorizing things, more just making stuff and mm. like being part of the creative process, which is what works for me at the moment. And I'm really enjoying that aspect. So maybe next next term, maybe I'll be I'll be uh-huh. ready. But for now I'm I'm just enjoying this at the moment. Yeah, I mean you've done an amazing job so far. It's I'm biased, but I love the poster of a slide taming. But what was it like? So we we all we worked on this together during, uh, during the summer. What was it like in your own words preparing for this bid? Because you are a big part of preparing the bid because we're all just sort of getting all the writing done and we're sending over to you to like hey Ashton can you make it look all pretty and everything and then there was the bid panel and all that sort of thing like talk us through it what was it like through that whole process of like trying to get this show even started I mean I think like from the beginning we were so excited and we were having such a fun time and like even though we were all stressed about it and trying to get everything perfect, like it just felt like it was this, like it was like our little creative baby. And we were so excited to like look at it grow and how it was changing and how all these things were happening. And then we went to the bid panel and then we were like, oh my God, it's not exactly how we wanted it. Like, oh yeah. no, like, but which happens like, cause we didn't know what we were doing in the sense that, you know, none of us had gone to a bid panel before. And then we were like here, slaughter our baby for us like we we worked so hard on it but honestly it was it was good because like it gave us like they gave us constructive criticism about what we needed to change what what we needed to work on and everything but honestly I think that like everything that we did was important and it helped bring us to like where we are now which was like being able to to make it work and I think that when I read you know the parts that you had written I was like oh this is great like I'm loving this like I'm so proud of my little baby Saban he's so grown up but like you had a strong vision about what you wanted but you were also willing to like let us come in and say we think we should change this we think we should do this and like considering that you have like an almost entirely female crew and I I think and you were willing to like just let like you weren't like well this is mine and I've I've that's it you were just like no I want to change things what you guys think like which we appreciate. I mean, I, I speak on behalf of the rest of them, but... <laughs> what would you say you're most excited for? Because, well, the actual performance is coming up. What are you most excited to see? Oh, man. I, I'm just excited to see, like, them all, like, perform, like, for real. Like, because I've only seen, like, certain parts of it, obviously, because I've come to the um, yeah the rehearsals. So I'm really excited to see it all come together because, like, I feel like our leads are so good and I haven't gotten to see them like the like the real like chemistry between them but like they both are just like precious and I know I annoy Max by wanting him to be more uh more of a douchebag (laughs) but I mean like to me it's just great it's so nice like getting to see them like do it and they're putting so much energy into it and they're all just you know I'm I think it's great like I love it and I'm so excited just for all Amazing. of it, just to see it come together. I'm like a proud mom. 
Oh, it's going to be amazing. Also, your um, just a little plug here, but your photography, your headshots and all that sort of thing have been very good and very helpful. <laughs> so, guys, if you ever want headshots, Ashton does really good headshots. <laughs> uh, hit her up. Well, we'll um, see when, when they come together tonight, because like, I'm going to do some more. Although it's supposed to rain, but we'll see. But um, yeah. but we're going to redo a few just because <laughs> oh, people no. are like, I'm not sure. And I was like, maybe I should give this actual time. <laughs> you have uh, a, a, a podcast of your own, uh, Awakenings. I do, um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, basically, a friend and I started it because I got tired of seeing like all these like random white men on dating apps who are like, I have a podcast. And I was like, I can't imagine you have anything funny, fun or better to say than I do. So basically, Elsie and I just created it together. We've done, I think we just recorded like our sixth or seventh episode. We are uh-huh. just loving it. It's just the best. Like we actually did a 10 Things I Hate About You episode. It's one which, of my favorites. I'm so glad. Like we just had like we had so much fun. It's just like because like she is a Victorian um she has a PhD in Victorian literature. Oh, and wow. so yeah, so for both of us, you know, being, you know, nerds, we get to talk about films and like the things that we love and like what what really like shaped our personalities. And that's the reason why we called awakenings. It's like, it's not just like a sexual awakening. It's just like awakenings in general. Like what um, about this film? Like was so important to me. Like the first episode we did, which was the mighty ducks, which she's a huge hockey fan. She has a tattoo of gritty, which is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, and that was just incredibly like important. And like, it's an important moment for her, but I have lots of those films and I feel like it's great having guests on and being like hey what was the most formative film for you what really like shaped your personality what made you become the person you are and i love that we get to talk about that for like an hour about like this movie that we both love or you know the the intricacies of 10 things i hate about you and how much like heath ledger could do these things but if a normal man did it to me i'd be like go away (laughs) Mm. um i really love that concept of uh, an awakening because it it conceptualizes how I feel about films. And it's like, obviously not every film does this, but like the good, proper good films do awaken something in you. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a good, uh, it's a good word, awakening. Like that's what <laughs> it brings out in you. Um, yeah. So I'll have to have I, you on. You'll have to pick out a movie and come on and, and we can I'd love that. to come on. I'd love, I, I definitely, one of the films I've recommended for you. Um, yeah. If we do an episode on, I'd love to do that. Um, but um, what's it called? I was saying, if you'd like to reiterate what 10 Things I Hate About You, what was the awakening for that film? Um, I mean, it was like, I think one of the first Shakespeare adaptations I'd ever seen. I know there was uh-huh. like a, a, a time in the 90s when they like started doing those. And I just, I think for me, it, I, I'd never seen like... Um, I'd never seen it that way. Like usually you always see like adaptations of Shakespeare. It's like everyone's wearing, you know, traditional garb and doing those kind of things. I think aside from Romeo and Juliet, it was like these two ones were like the ones that were based on Shakespeare, had Shakespeare in their DNA. And it was incredibly important. And I think with that, it just opened my mind a bit to like, you can be, you know, a bit of like a shrew, if you will but there's still someone out there who might like, who will match you in wits uh-huh. and, and things like that. I mean, even if like, I didn't necessarily understand cat grow like as a kid, but I loved that. Like Patrick was so interested in her and like, you know, he didn't care that, you know, she was a bit 
you know, of a dick sometimes, uh-huh. you know? I just thought that was, like, lovely. You know, because when you're a kid, you're like, I'm 10, and, like, that's all I can think about is, like, oh, what if someone loved me like that? Wouldn't that be nice? But, like, I mean, you know, because, like, that's, that's what you think as a kid, and that's how old I was uh-huh. when I probably saw it. But I think I was focused more on, like, the the love part of it, whereas now as an adult, I'm, like, I really appreciate that Kat's, like, so independent and so, like, secure in her in her personality and what she wants and like I I really envy that like I can't imagine being uh-huh. 17 and knowing what I want so clearly because I didn't so mm. I do think it changes as you get older like films that you love and or even Shakespeare plays that you love like it it changes with you as you get older and you get more things out of it hmm. that's interesting because um, we had a we had a film night of of this film we we watched it together recently I don't think you I don't think you were there no, uh, no. I'm, um, I just I'm thought sorry. it would be. I just thought it'd be interesting to share because uh, the general room had a lot of opinions about the film. One of which, the most prominent one being um, Bianca's uh, uh, prom dress. No one liked her. It is Pretty in Pink level horrible. Like, <laughs> if you've ever seen Pretty in Pink, she takes two no. lovely dresses, combines them. Horrible. Like it's iconic. Even if ever you mention to someone, you're like, "Oh, have you seen Pretty in Pink?" They're like, "Yeah." I've seen it. I've seen that ugly dress. Like, it's just, it's so important. And yeah, and I think that's the thing, like, even I, having grown up at that time, and like, I had older sisters, so, you know, we talked about prom and things like that. Um, Nobody wore that. Like, it doesn't fit her. It doesn't fit her. I'm just surprised that this is a thing that people focus on. Like, I was watching it, and it... The whole room just erupted like that was horrible. I'm like, I don't know. It was it was quite a random thing for me. I know, um, like I know it is. I think it's one of those things because it's like a lot of times in a film you get, you know, like the the makeover and like Cat's not ugly. Uh-huh. We just see her for the first time and like, like she's wearing her mom's pearls, which is a thing I never noticed until then. Uh, Bianca or Cat? Cat is like so. Bianca's been oh. wearing them like the whole film, and then all uh-huh. of a sudden Cat's wearing them for the prom. And I thought, oh, that's really sweet. Oh, they wow. must have gotten ready together and like that's like a sweet yeah i genuinely think 10 things i hate about you is the only the only adaptation i'm aware of that touches on wait where was their mom yeah even a slide taming doesn't do that admittedly because we're like ah ah, what do we do with that so it is a bit difficult but it's a good because they had this argument like yeah mom's not here anymore i can wear the pearls and like that sort of thing which was quite interesting Um, yeah Another thing that people really picked on during the 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 viewing of the film was that, um, well, basically the ending. So, like, um, how Patrick makes up with uh, Kate by basically buying her a guitar, <laughs> and everyone was like, "You can't buy love." And oh, I love that they think that. <laughs> Someone bought me a guitar. I'd be like, "All right, yeah, whatever." <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But I guess like, it's it's... You, when you hit your thirties, you're like, if you want to buy me something. Mm. I'm game. <laughs> Whatever you want to buy me, I'll take it. It's it's like it's it's complex because like he uses the money that he so they had this fight at the end because well spoilers it but you got you guys have should have seen it. It's by been now. out since 1999. <laughs> Get it together, guys. Most of you probably were not even born yet. <laughs> but um, so the fight they had was because uh, Cat finds out that um, Patrick was basically doing it for money. And then they have a falling out. And then they make up because he uses the money that he got from whatever was going on to buy her a guitar. And it's just a bit like, I don't know, how do you feel about that now? 
I, as opposed to how you must have felt about it before. I think, like, I didn't really think about the, like, implications of it when I was a kid. Mm. But as an adult, I see it as that, like, he does like her for who she is, and he stops taking the money. It's just that Joey won't, like... Joey won't leave him alone, so he gives him the money, and then he just takes the money and buy- and uses it to buy her something that she really wants. Yeah. He doesn't use it on himself. He doesn't, like, do anything else with it. Instead, he's, like... He, he like, basically sacrifices money, which, like, I mean, because we don't really... Like, we've seen the house she lives in. She has a nice life. We have nothing... <coughs> we don't really know a lot about Patrick. It seems like he doesn't have, like... Yeah. The greatest of upbringings, at least from what we can tell. But, like, instead of taking that money, which I'm sure he probably could have used, he buys her something. And I think and I think because of the way that they had, like, argued about it and stuff, and he was like, you know, I do love you and I do care about you. And that, that didn't matter anything to me. Like, that hasn't been an issue for quite a while. I've been getting to know you and, and falling in love with you. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you. But, you know, they are both two complicated people. And, like, even if that was his introduction into getting to know her, like it stopped being an issue a while back. So I think it really is up to her and what she wants to do. But I think the fact that he's willing to like take that money and give it to her and buy her something that she's like, she's obviously wanted for so long. And like to like, I guess basically like facilitate her dreams because that's what she wants to do. Like she'd love to, to play guitar and, and be in a female rock band and stuff like that. And something about it is just, I think, it doesn't seem like there's any strings attached to it. It's simply, mm. I don't, this money is yours. I'm going to use it for something I know you want and I'm leaving it there for you. And I mean, to be honest, they'll probably have another fight and they'll probably go off to college and argue all the time. And, you know, maybe they won't make it through, but like something about it, I think as an adult, mm. like, I'm just like, I appreciate that he's willing to admit that he's wrong and that he fucked up and yeah. that, yeah, this wasn't great. But also at the same time, he's like, I'm basically laying myself out here saying, I know I've messed up. I know I've been a dick, but I love you. And that's what's more, most important. Everything else doesn't matter. And I don't know. I guess it's an adult who's been through several, several who's been through a few relationships. I've, I, I have a lot of respect for that, for someone to be able to admit that they're wrong about something. Yeah, yeah that's important. I just, in my last viewing, I was like, I was thinking about how so Kat gets this scholarship to some place and her dad makes a big deal about how it's on the other side of the country. Yeah. And I'm just like, ooh, I don't know if, if Patrick moves there with her or Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know. It's just yeah. Well it's one of those things that's like because you and you're at that age, like there's no telling. But at the same time, like we have no like we don't really get to know like other than he has all these like rumors about him. And he took time off to like, but it seems like he took time off to care for his granddad. And that's yeah. why he was like held back a year. So it's not, so it sounds like he probably doesn't come from like, you know. A well off, yeah. Yeah, a super well off family. And also that like, you know, he's from Australia. So like he may have different like, you know, but I mean, yeah, Sarah Lawrence is um, <coughs> on the East Coast. So yeah, it's a big <coughs> thing. But I mean, who knows? I mean. But I think that's the thing with all, like, young adult, like, media is you have that, like, thing at the end where it's like, well, I'm going away to college. I'm going mm. here. What are you going to do? Because long distance is hard. I've been through it. It sucks. Yeah. But, you know, it, when you're young, you think this is going to work. And, like, who knows? Like, maybe they will. Maybe they'll make it work. Maybe he'll go to a uni that's close to her. 
but that he wants to go to or who knows mm-hmm. we don't really like yeah. we get to know cat really well and we get to know bianca really well but we don't really get to know the boys very well which is fine <laughs> yeah that is true like, like it's, a, it's definitely makes a change we don't really see like that much of his interior life aside from like liking cat but i know shit tons about cat <laughs> so you're studying english and history here at royal holloway what has yes. that been like so far um i'm really enjoying it like i waited a long time to go back to uni um uh-huh. i hit 30 and was like if i don't do it now i'm never gonna do it so um yeah i'm really glad i waited because like now i feel more equipped to do it um but i've really enjoyed it like and you know i think we have really great teachers the english department is obviously very highly rated they're really lovely um you know i've it's really gotten me into like oh my gosh like i've always loved learning but i forget how much i enjoy it until i'm doing it and it's been great like i'm i'm getting to like pick what i want to do and like what I want to study and like obviously as we've discussed the romantics is like something I'm taking this term which I'm obsessed Mm with and it's just it's been it's been really lovely and everyone's been really wonderful like even though I'm a decade (laughs) older than they are um they are like they've been really sweet like I appreciate you guys don't like like oh you're like everyone's mom which I am no I'm happy to be I everyone's mean, mom. It's weird because we, we, we already have this like sort of mom-dad system in like this, this uni. Like the person who introduces you to the society is like your yeah. society mom or whatever. So yeah, I mean, I agree. It is, a, it is a very open... I don't know if all universities are like this, but Royal Holloway has been a very open, very uh, welcoming space, but also understanding space. Um so how's the history side of your degree been? Because I know that that's obviously another top uh, <laughs> department in this um, country. Yeah, like uh, this year I'm taking two Victorian classes. Don't uh-huh. don't know how that happened, but I'm I'm happy to do that because Victorian era England is very different than America. So so for me, it's just been interesting getting to like understand like. <laughs> the intricacies of, of that. obviously I have a friend who has a PhD in Victorian literature so it's like it's nice we have something to talk about about this yeah. I'm like oh but did you know blah 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 <coughs> sorry no worries um, but yeah like I, I think it, it it has been really interesting last year I took one that was like um, focused on modern history which was like from like the enlightenment on uh-huh. and um I found that really like interesting. I got to focus on like um, in my final project. I did like we. I focused on how like you know we need to have more uh, modern attitudes towards like history in some ways, which is like queer history, especially where it's like we always like a lot of people, and by a lot I mean straight people, view it as like oh this is such a new thing like being gay, and I'm like it's always been there. This yeah. is not this is not a new thing. It's it's always existed. Gender and and sexuality have existed since the beginning of time. That's never changed. And I um I actually got um I actually got uh some help from a previous host of this very podcast for that, which I which I appreciate. <laughs> Cassie. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. She she gave me some inf- like she gave me some like she was like, Oh, maybe you should look up these people and do this and I was like, Great and then like it totally like 
opened my mind and like didn't even realize so it was great mm. like so it's it, like I love that like they let me do that <laughs> they weren't like oh gross like you know they yeah, yeah, they yeah. just were like no like they're very welcoming of that kind of stuff and that's something I tend to focus on because it's what I'm interested in but I appreciate that I don't have to like go like this narrow minded view of like well this is the only way I can we could do it so it's uh-huh. just been it's been good in that mm, aspect that, that like I get to focus on that kind of stuff I'm glad to hear it yeah it's good like it does keep up with this narrative that I have going on that it is open and it's open in ways that even I haven't like like you've just you just said like in my in in the way that I found it was open like, it was open for me to bring my ideas and all that sort of thing which in a level used to get shut down it's like no not part of the syllabus yeah uh, university is more of a place where it's like there isn't that much of a syllabus it's like we need your ideas so i like yeah. that it's it's very welcoming and it's very open um so looking at the romantics what has that been like for you um like you've got like these players you know like you've got byron and mm. you've got shelly and um <coughs> <coughs> Like, the two of them are, like, as thick as thieves, best friends. But, like, obviously, Byron is far more, like, just pure chaos in the nicest mm. way possible. Um, but I, I enjoy that. Like, he wrote lots of beautiful poetry, but also had a mess of a life. Yeah. Um, personally, which, like, and, and that's the thing. Like, when you write all this be- beautiful poetry about people obviously it's going to get messy. And so like, I don't know, it's just, but then you have like Mary Shelley who is metal, just like, you know, wrote Frankenstein, like something that, you know, none of these boys could ever imagine writing because it's, you know, a a meditation on like life and like loss and what it's like to like, like to give birth to something, whether it's like in the story, it's, you know, a creature that you've created or in her case, it was like she had a child and, and um, the baby died, like that sort of thing. So it's like something that was like taking that like pain and grief and putting it into something. But also like she loved, you know, she loved uh, her husband, Percy Shelley. And, you know, they had a very interesting relationship. She was a bit younger and he is like kind of married to someone else. And like, again, yeah, was Percy the one that sort of like cheated on his wife? Probably, yeah, yeah. Oh, god, I remember. I just, I love, I love a drama. I can't, I can't help it. I love drama. (laughs) Like, and with this, like, I know they're real people, but like, it it influences the way they write about things. Mm. And like, um, fun story time with me, uh, Byron had an affair with this um lady who was also a writer her name is uh, lady caroline lamb and uh i she, she basically like you know they had this like affair for a while and then he broke it off and then she was like so upset about it that she ended up making a giant scene like in front of all of like because she was married she made a giant mm. scene in front of like all the people because like he was like with someone else and she like freaked out and was like oh my god like and her husband basically was like you can't do this like you cannot make a big deal about this like i get it hurts i get you're sad all of those things but you can't do that in front of our friends because it makes us all look bad (laughs) you know so it's like you had like you had leeway in the sense that like you know not to say that that people didn't love each other but monogamy was different you know in Mm. a lot of ways or some people were monogamous and it was fine or they weren't but i think the thing with the romantics is a lot of times they 
challenge the idea of that. Like hmm. Mary Shelley's parents, um, Mary Wollen, Wollenstonecraft, like she was like the proto-feminist. She didn't marry her husband. Like they just had children and lived together. And that was scandalous, you know, like, yeah. But she was like, she, she didn't want to lose her autonomy or her, you know, herself in getting married. And I, I think that's amazing. Like, it's still things that we deal with today, which is like, oh, like if I marry someone or if I change my name, what does that say about me? Does that make me a bad feminist? Mm-hmm. Like things like that. So I get it. And I think it's the thing that's interesting. I think it still has ties to today. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that, that's a bit, that's quite the deep view of, of, of the study of the romantics. It's like questioning yourself and... It is quite surprising how, how stuff like romantics and Shakespeare are um, relate to today. Like I, some I kind of get this feeling that, um, in terms of ideas, they were so advanced and we've sort of regressed. Does that make? Do you feel that as well? Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, I think like yeah. it's like yeah. we're looking at them again and going, ah, we want that. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's like you do have like the the Victorian era which did like kind of like like I don't know it's weird it's like I think as things have gone on they have changed and like yeah I think in the Victorian era is when like people would get married and it was like oh you're supposed to be a virgin before you get married like I don't think it was that much of a big deal beforehand. I, I, don't uh-huh. quote me on that but a lot of times it was like people would just be common law married it was like <coughs> excuse me you just start shacking up with somebody Mm-hmm. And then you'd have kids together and that was it. And that was your life, you know, and it was, that was fine. And then, you know, people that were, you know, of a certain breed, yes, they would have marriages, they would get married. But if you were just like poor, it was like, who cares? <laughs> like, who's mm-hmm. going to stop you? Um, but I think as we've gotten older, as like the kind of class thing has kind of trickled down and it's less, less of a thing, I think people have like taken that and been like, oh, well, I can't do this because... Now, I want to seem like I'm, you know, higher status or whatever. I don't know. Especially in America where it's like, I mean, at least where I'm from, it's still kind of like looked down upon if it's like you live in sin, which is uh-huh. silly because I'm just yeah, like, this, yeah. is, this is silly. Like, you know, who cares? Like, yeah. what is, what does it matter? Like, if you want to get married, do it, but don't be worried about like, oh, you know, we live together and like, that's so shameful. Like, I just don't, I don't see it in the same way. Oh, amazing. Um, so, uh, we were discussing earlier about how the romantics, because everyone is, were influenced by Shakespeare. Like, do you think they were influenced by Shakespeare, and how much so? I mean, yeah, I would say so. I think, I think, I think everyone is in the sense that like Shakespeare gave us so much, like you know, the tropes of certain things, like the the, you know, the writing, a lot of dick jokes. Let's be real like things like that it's like and i feel like people took it and have made it into their own like especially like a lot of um iterations of like different shakespeare plays you can find or the same themes like those sort of things it's something that's lasted for so long and i think it's lasted like and i think the romantics also took some of that on Uh in the way that like they wrote poetry and like like sonnets and things like that like i feel like it's it just it just um it's just kind of like made its way through i think like and just like it does until now like but i think at the time you probably didn't have the same kind of like recognition that it was like oh i've picked up like these things from 
you know, I read King Lear and now I'm writing the story about a dad and three daughters and like you don't really think about it in the same way whereas now you're like I know exactly where that's come from and like yeah I can figure it out like I can do this research and find out like if I'm trying to make it different or whatever and the, the weird thing about the romantics is like they had really good they had really good ideas that still resonate with us today but it's like sometimes you could say they went too far like <laughs> I remember reading about how I think when I don't know who died. I think it was Byron. One of them died and they like literally took his heart or something. I think that's Percy. Percy, right. Yeah, I think... So, like, what what was the idea behind that? Um, I mean, if I remember correctly, I think it was Mary Shelley kept his heart Mm -hmm. because she was his wife. And I think it was... Oh, okay, okay. It's kind of like a weird goth thing. Like, she was, like, the proto-goth. Like, her mother was the proto-feminist. She was the proto-goth girl. Um, Mm. and And I assume, you know... Not that I was ever really cool and goth, but I would imagine that it was probably, you know, a sense of like, this is the one thing I can keep of him, his heart, you know, like it's, you know, if you think about it in the sense that like, like they literally did what they talked about, like keeping his heart and that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Like, that's the most thing we would do. Like, oh, that's desecrating a corpse and stuff like that. Whereas I'm just like, (laughs) that sounds really cool. Like, good for Uh you. Yeah. Um, Oh God. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe that'll be my next date I'll, idea. I'll be like, let's go to Percy Shelley's um, uh, grave. Oh, and wow. then we can, like, you know, talk about hearts. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Uh-huh. Um, and the last thing I wanted to ask you is what it was like um, studying Shakespeare in high school in America. What what was it like there? Um, I mean, it's, it's very different. I, I think as with anything, at least here, you have access, or at least in, at uni, we have access to all of this, like, all of these um, productions and being able to see it so easily. Whereas in mm-hmm. America, it's a bit more difficult, like, because if you don't live near a big city, you just don't really get to go to the theater or anything. And, like, I've seen, like, a few, I think, when I was in school. And it always made a difference where you could actually understand, like, because it is, like, it is a play. You need to see it performed. You want to see it. You want to see, like, the choices that the actors are making, but also having someone read it out to you, you understand the jokes a bit easier. It comes easier being able to see it and understand it. Like, whereas if you're just, you know, reading it as a 16 year old, you're like, Oh, this is boring. Like, I don't want to read this. Like, Oh, like, so I think, I think you guys do have an edge in the sense that like, it's just right there at your fingertips. Like it's so much easier to be able to view productions of, you know, Shakespeare or being able to like go and see it I mean I've been to Stratford upon Avon and like it's lovely and it's just really cool to see um but you know as a kid I would never have been able to do that (laughs) whereas here it's like Mm. people just do it and they're like yeah that's the thing I've done you know as a kid we did it in school or whatever and I do think Mm. it makes a difference like having that there or being able to go to the globe and see it and and those kind of things like I think it gives you a more encompassed view of Shakespeare whereas like Uh I was just you know a suburban kid watching a bunch of Americans perform Shakespeare and as fun as it is and it is very fun it's just it's not the same Uh yeah I think uh, like personally from having uh, worked on an actual production of of Taming of the Shoe I feel like this is the best way I've learned Shakespeare if that makes sense. Like, if you could, yeah. if you give me, if you were to give me an exam on taming the shoe, I'm sure I would do well, because we've literally been involved in sort of like creating it, 
And I feel like a lot of a lot of schools need to sort of be like, okay, we're going to have an exam on Macbeth. Let's put an adaptation of Macbeth on. Because that just gets you more involved. Rather yeah. than, like, as you were saying, just reading it and just... It's going to be boring if you, yeah. if you just do that. Yeah. Um, well, it's been a very good time talking to you, Ashton. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for having yeah, me. I take appreciate care. it. <laughs> you too. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Bar Times. I've been Subhan Hay, and in the words of the Bard, beauty lives with kindness. <laughs>